Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show, and thank you very much. This show is sponsored by Blockchain Terminal, a new tool for the hedge fund industry and institutional investors to confidently buy, trade, and invest in crypto. The Blockchain Terminal, developed by New York-based CG Blockchain Incorporated, is a new tool for the hedge fund industry and institutional investors to confidently buy, trade, and invest in crypto. The Blockchain Terminal bridges the gap between institutional investors and the cryptocurrency market. By combining market data from over 60 exchanges, information about upcoming ICOs, and news from publications and social media, the Blockchain Terminal gives you a complete picture of crypto trading. Institutional investors may hesitate to invest in cryptocurrency. However, CG Blockchain's unique compliance guard technology creates a compliance framework, placing you in a secured and monitored environment. The Blockchain Terminal offers you a consolidated order book showing the price and state of the market across multiple exchanges and a consolidated wallet that allows single account to trade on multiple exchanges using third-party applications, including the Blockchain Terminal. This means you can access on the third-party applications thousands of available cryptocurrencies from over 60 exchanges. The Blockchain Terminal runs on a digital token to be issued by CG Blockchain affiliate BCT Inc. This token is used to register and transact within the platform. The BCT Inc. token sale is available through the 30th of April 2018. Join BTC Inc. at tokensale.btc.io and visit the website btc.io for more information. Now, back to the show. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron, and today we have on a very special guest. We have on the CEO and founder of Binance, Mr. Chungpeng CZ Zhao. And what makes Mr. Zhao's story so interesting is the time frame that it happened. I remember when I started in crypto, Bittrex and Polonix were the big names. And then one day, out of the blue, it's an exchange called Binance opened up. And I was curious. I was doing the show. I was like, I'm going to register. I'm going to review this Binance. Let's see what it's all about. Nine months later, it is the world's biggest crypto exchange with daily volumes of over 1.5 billion. Mr. Zhao is on the Forbes crypto rich list as one of the wealthiest people in crypto. And people say that Binance and Mr. Zhao's vision is one of the most transformative. That's a lot to happen in under a year's time. So we get to sit down with Mr. Zhao and talk about his journey, get to know him a little bit, and talk about the future of Binance. But before that, please go to Crypto101Podcast.com. That's Crypto101Podcast.com. You can send us an email, say what's up. You can join our Facebook community. Go there if you want to be with 4,000 people that love to talk crypto and help out people get in the space. Go to iTunes and subscribe to us. Leave us a rating. Leave us some stars. It helps us a lot. Check out our blog. Our blog writers, I think, are some of the best in the industry. They are writing not only summaries of our shows, having opinion pieces, and also journeys about their own life in crypto to help everybody out so you can learn from their mistakes so you don't have to make your own. Also, don't forget to check out ICO 101. It's a sister podcast with Aaron Paul, and we review preview and talk to the leaders of ICOs on that show. 
So without further ado, please welcome Mr. Chung Peng Zhao, CEO of Binance. We'll see you after the show. Mr. Chung Peng Zhao of Binance, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me here. So today, when I was thinking about talking to you, the things that went through my head was just you and Binance. Where did you come from? Your education background, what got you into blockchain? How did you decide to start an exchange? And then the whole history of Binance and how did you get to where it is today? I remember a year ago, I was in the group chat on WeChat when you guys didn't even start and you were just getting a community together. And then all of a sudden today, a year later, you're at $1.5 billion, 24-hour volume. That's insane. Thank you. Yeah. So yes, if we can go in, who are you? Where did you come from? Education background and let's go from there. Sure, sure. So I was born in China, but I grew up in Canada. I spent my teenager years in Canada, high school and um, university. When I was young, I played a lot of sports, but um, I moved around a lot. After university, I worked in Tokyo for four years and New York for four years and then back to Shanghai for 10 years. So I've been moving around quite a bit. I lived in different countries. So when I came across Bitcoin, it was just very easy to understand. And uh, Binance is actually the third time I had the idea of doing a crypto exchange. So when I first got exposed to cryptocurrency in 2013, I actually wanted to do a crypto exchange, but everything was quite new then. I ended up joining Blockchain.info and then later on OKCoin, uh, which is a crypto exchange. I left OKCoin in 2015. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do a crypto exchange at that time. Polymnex was already there, so I looked at it. The volume still quite small. We decided the market wasn't big enough. And then in 2017, we said, well, now the market is big enough and we want to do one. So I've always been doing exchange systems. So I've been on the technical side. The two and a half years before Binance, I ran a technology startup providing exchange systems to other exchanges. And we have provided platforms for 30 other exchanges. During that two and a half years, we polished our system. So the Binance system wasn't developed in 12 days after the ICO or before the launch. So that's just not possible. <laughs> And uh, we got very lucky in a lot of ways. I was able to attract my business partner, He Yi, right after the ICO. She doesn't speak too much English. Her English is limited. She speaks some. But her values, her mission are very much aligned uh, with what we want to do. She's a freedom seeker. And she's also extremely strong in marketing. And she's probably one of the top market uh, CMOs you can hire in China. So she complimented our team because before I had a good technical and product team, but we were, we were very weak on marketing and operations. And so she filled that role really well. And we also got our head of international, which is my old time buddy, Ted. And um, he has a more of an international background. So the team came together really well. Our other team is extremely strong as well. Our CTO is very strong. He was from Morgan Stanley. We had a very, very strong team. And then we got lucky in a lot of other ways. Just random events happen. We got hurt sometimes, but sometimes later on, it turned out to be good for us. So can I go back just a little bit? You grew up in Canada or spent 10 years in Canada, I think you said. And then you went to university. I think you went to McGill. Is that correct? Yes. And that was in computer science or? Well, I started in biology and figured out I didn't like it. So okay. I moved back to computer science. <laughs> oh, right on. Right on. So then after that, you moved around. Tokyo, China, and you were in you were in Shanghai for ten years. I wonder if we ever crossed paths. I was in Shanghai for seven years. I started in two thousand five. Okay, I was in Shanghai from two thousand ten to two thousand seventeen. So then, yeah, we we had quite a bit of overlap. Any chance you ever went to the Mint nightclub? 
Oh yeah, uh, I know about the mint on the bun, right? Well, I I rarely go there. I mean, I went there maybe once or twice, but I do know about it. Yeah. So we might have bumped into to each other there because I used to work there. Oh really? Wow. Okay. Okay. So then you're there. You said you always were looking at exchanges. You're like you're looking at Pendolonix. You were at OKCoin. Your marketing partner, she also was at OKCoin, correct? Yes. So what what was it about exchanges that you said? This is what I'm going to do. This this is where the market is failing, or there's a gap in the market. We can fill this gap. Even when I was an intern in Tokyo, so、uh, I was in university, but I went to Tokyo for an intern. I was working on exchange trading systems, and it was very fascinating. From the early days, it was very apparent that that's where most of money is. <laughs> so、mm-hmm. uh, that's the that's the nexus between the IT and、uh, finance world. So I was very lucky to be exposed to that very early.、Uh, but I always I always liked it, and also. It's technically very very challenging. So doing high performance trading systems are very challenging. So for me, I always like to do this kind of challenging tech work. And、uh, for exchange systems, that's actually not much UI back then.、Uh, it's a little bit by luck, but I've always really liked it. So you started making Binance, and you said it took you about two and a half years of development. And then you said, of course, it didn't happen in twelve days from the ICO and all this stuff. So what was it like developing an exchange through those? Two and a half years, not knowing where it would go today. Well, initially,、um, during those two and a half years, we were developing the system and selling to other people as a platform for other exchanges. So we had revenue. It was more, it was more of a B two B business. It's not exciting as a B two C business,、mm-hmm. uh, but it's very stable. So before we were a technology company, and then、uh, after two and a half years, we turned into a platform. It's a little bit different, yeah. Okay, so now that we're there, we're, we we have your business going into what? What was the date that you launched Binance? So the platform went live on July fourteenth, two thousand seventeen. So this is eight months ago, nine months ago. Yeah, eight nine months ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I'm laughing because since July until now, you have taken over. I think in July at that time, Bitrex was the number one spot, and Poloniex was number two. Huobi didn't didn't exist, or it did, but not even in the top ten. I don't think Binance was new. How did you go from being non-existent to number one overnight? Basically, I mean, there's a lot of different things. Some of which we controlled, and quite a lot of which we didn't. Quite a lot of was was luck.、Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll briefly talk about some of the things we controlled. I believe our product is superior in terms of the matching engine speed, and which gives people a very fluid experience. I think anybody who tried our platform kind of gets it, and it's very apparent. It's like Google compared to other search engines back in the days. People don't measure it, but they subconsciously feel it. And、um, we were weak on servers at the beginning, but、um, we caught up on it. I think our service, although not perfect, is relatively decent in the industry. I think better than most. And also, we have a mission. So our mission statement or our philosophy is: we always protect investors. So we don't do anything crazy. Whenever something happens, we always take the investors' point of view. So I think、mm-hmm. that philosophy. Uh, filters through the organization. It shows up in small places, and different people get different pieces of it. So that's why we got a relatively decent reputation in, in the industry. Externally, we got really, really lucky. To be honest, I was really surprised by getting bigger than Bitrex and Poloniex so quickly. I thought it would take us like I don't know two, three years at the fastest. For example, the China ban of exchanges in September actually helped us.、Uh, we were hurt. All of our users flee to Bitrex and Poloniex and other sites. I, I'm gonna just ask this question real quick. When you heard about the China exchanges, what was your first gut reaction? Were you just like, "Oh shit," or were you like, "We we got a plan"? 
so we we have a lot of contacts in the in the space, and we got more and more information. We just said the risk is too high. We wasn't sure when gotcha. the news was going to come out. We just said the the risk is too high. We got to do risk mitigation, and we we got to move it. And I think most of our early users remember we announced for two hours to move the servers. It actually took us six. So it was a midnight uh, in Asia time, but it's actually bright daytime for a lot of the American users. But then I was actually surprised that the news came out so quickly. I thought it would take another month or two, but we want to prepare beforehand. So I didn't know for sure. It was a bit of a hunch, but we want to do risk management. So uh, we got lucky there. And we got even luckier that because the other exchanges in China did not do this, they actually were actually really forced to shut down. And uh, when we stayed alive, quite a large number of their users moved to our site. So at the end of September, we had, we've seen a dramatic uh, rise in number of users very quickly. And at that time, the proportion of Chinese users were quite high. But then uh, we were also lucky that our team background was very international. Uh, so over time, our international audience grew very quickly. So we got we got really lucky there. At various different times, there's a lot of external factors that helped us, actually. How did you guys deal with the scaling of that? I know, like, you know, even Coinbase and Poloniex and Bittrex, I mean, we just couldn't deal with the influx of people trying to sign up for their site. You guys, I, I didn't even notice. I was one of the early users. I remember when you ship, uh, moved your servers, and I didn't even notice when you, that you were getting all these new users. So we actually did run into a little bit of problem in January. So our system was actually okay, but we ran into very heavy problems on the customer support side because basically the team's that big, and we were hiring people like crazy, but you can only hire people so quickly. And uh, the wait, the waiting time went from one day to two weeks. So we had some complaints during that period. And then we streamlined our workflow. We hired a lot more people. And so we got that under control. So system-wise, we were always very fast because uh, we had been working on the system for a high-performance system for two and a half years. So we kind of planned for that. Our other areas, we actually did have bottlenecks. Some people did complain, but we got through it. <laughs> right on, right on. So what about other luck stories that you had that went through besides the China closing exchanges? So very recently, um, you probably know, um, uh, March 23rd, Japan FSA issued a warning letter to us saying they consider us being operating illegally in Japan. So that warning letter came out and uh, it was actually posted on the uh, FSA, the Financial Services Authority's uh, website in Japan, uh, in Japanese. So a lot of Asian users were aware of it. Um, luckily, on the same day, I did an interview with Bloomberg and I said, well, we already have plans to move to Malta. We're just going to speed that up. And by 4 p.m. Asia time, uh, I guess Malta uh, European wakes up uh, and uh, the prime minister of Malta just tweeted, "Say welcome to Malta at Binance. We want to be." <laughs> so, so I think that's probably the first time ever a prime minister of a country welcomed a crypto uh, oh, business. Wow, that's amazing! So, so the coin price, instead of going down, uh, actually went up. Like the Binance coin price went up, and the Bitcoin price went up. <laughs> and this is something that you guess what we have been planning and we have been talking we have had very good talks with Malta of moving there and everything established but I would never imagine a prime minister tweeting for us I, I would ever <laughs> I would actually never imagine to arrange or ask hey Mr. Prime Minister can you tweet for us <laughs> right it's just something that you don't do right so uh, very lucky there very so uh, I, I appreciate uh, uh, Prime Minister Joseph uh, Masket very very uh, very much so, so what did you tweet back well, I said, oh, I, I just, I just said very quickly, I'm honored, sir. So after that, I've been convincing everybody to go to Malta because we want to help the economy, uh, economy there. So uh, I'm doing my part now. 
Right on, right on. Okay, we're here now. You had a lot of hard work, a lot of luck, but you were moving to Malta. We're here today at this time. What is the future of Binance? You know, I was talking to uh, Andy Tian of Gifto. I asked him, what are going to be some of the most influential companies in the space? He said Binance. And I said, why? He said, because exchanges and companies like Binance are going to be the ones that are moving crypto forward. What is Binance doing for the future? Being one of the largest exchanges in the world, we actually shoulder quite a big burden now. We're looking at things from an industry perspective now, so we want to help the industry grow. Binance mm. itself is extremely profitable right now, and uh, we're still a very small team. I think if you compare to team size, our profitability is, is, is really through the roof. I don't think any any other team our size is this profitable. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're no longer incentivized by money. The team is very rich. So basically, we want to spread the freedom of wealth, the freedom of investments, and the, th the freedom of assets. Mm -hmm. So this is our mission. We want to promote this, free, uh, this freedom. And... Uh, once we have this uh, kind of mission, uh, other things fall in place, other decisions fall in place very easily. For example, it, at the beginning, we say uh, we want to do margin and futures trading. But we asked ourselves, do those things help spread the freedom? Well, they don't really. They're just another financial instrument people play with and gamble with, right? So we said we're going to put that on hold. And then we said, well, DEX, right, the decentralized exchange, does that uh, help? Yes, that does. So we move that forward. We are developing and we're promoting other people to develop uh, decentralized exchanges. We have our own fund called Binance Labs, which is a blockchain technology incubator. I told the Labs team that Binance will invest in projects, but we are, we are one of those funds that we will not look at returns. Mm -hmm. We just want to invest in projects that helps the industry. Mm -hmm. So anything that's infrastructure uh, related, especially wallets, faster blockchains, e-commerce, payment gateways, so any of those kind of, or even decentralized chat, decentralized social media, uh, even decentralized driverless cars or mm. Uber-like companies. So anything that's kind of out there, because we have a very strong profit center that can carry us, so we're no longer bound by returns on the investment. So, so I think Binance Labs is one of the critical parts where we will be able to invest and help the industry grow in other areas that our exchange can't. So that's basically what we're trying to do. So we can expect Binance to be a solid exchange, but then all of these projects coming out all over beside it that are being funded by or supported by Binance, blockchains, cars, <laughs> wallets. Uh, hopefully, hopefully. So basically, our approach is we will invest a small bit, like, I don't know, a couple million dollars, and then we will invite other people to invest. And most of the time when Binance invests, other people wants to follow because they know that we probably got the token economics figured out for this coin. We will help them do ICOs, we'll help them list, and they will have liquidity. So that's kind of the approach we're taking. We don't want to be the majority shareholder in each of these coins. We we don't do that. We just want a small percentage, and we, we just want to help them out and push them onto the right rail. Right, because if they're going to be traded on your on your platform anyway, it's, it's, already, it's already okay. <laughs> yeah. You keep saying a couple words. You said freedom and liberty. What is your ideology about freedom and liberty that makes crypto so appealing to you? I'm not a libertarian, actually, so uh, and I'm not a anarchist. So I I still believe that there's a there's a fundamental role that governments and regulations play. But I do want to increase the uh, freedom that a little bit at a time for especially uh, related to wealth and finance. Right now, I believe our current finance world are not very free. There's too many restrictions. I live in a lot of different countries. Every time I got to wire money from one country oh. to another, there's just a lot it's of a disaster. Uh, 
Yeah, there's a lot of friction. And I'm not against any government, but I'm also not married to any government. I love Canada as a country, but I think I'm one of those very typical international citizens. And I see there's a lot of friction. Uh, there's a lot of uh, restrictions in, in terms of the financial transactions, mm-hmm. in terms of what we can and cannot invest in. So I think crypto right now is beautiful in, in solving those kind of problems. It's still very young, but I truly believe that crypto will be the future. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So this is something that I think you can't ask for this kind of opportunity in history. So we're lucky to be here. We just want to contribute to that. What is a day with the CEO of Binance look like what do you what do you, when you wake up in the morning what do you do because I've been emailing with your I don't know I don't know her title um Winnie right yeah she's my assistant yeah okay so I was I've been emailing with Winnie for the past I think maybe a week and a half two weeks to, to try to find a little bit of your time what are you doing every day and how how does it your day look the way I do it is I only take a few booked appointments per day so maybe three or four booked appointments. And then um, the day usually fills up by on its own, regardless. So right. I try yeah. I try not to book uh, more than a few meetings. And every day is a little bit different. So I typically wake up checking my cell phone. Any important or urgent messages will usually be in there. So I don't check Binance coin price anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can go mm-hmm. on weeks without checking Binance coin price. And mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. ask me what it is right now, I haven't checked in two days. So it's, I think it's about 13, uh, oh, actually I checked yesterday, so it was about $13. Before I was more on the technology side, I was working more closely with the technology and product teams. For this couple of months, I've been traveling around the world, talking to different countries, different regulators, and trying to either uh, help them help us or get them to understand crypto. But most of the people that I'm talking to already understand crypto. And most people I speak to are actually guys who are inviting us to go there. So when they do that, they usually already are into crypto. They understand the benefits of leading this blockchain economy. Mm-hmm. So I've been flying around quite a bit. I spend more time internally now than externally, to be honest. So I spend quite a lot of time chatting with my team and just making sure everyone's happy. <laughs> kind of, right. Are, yeah. you, are, you, are you in Taiwan right now? Where are you? I'm actually in transit. I just left Taiwan. I was there a couple of days ago. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Winnie told me, she's like, hey, if you're here, you can just meet him. I'm like, oh, I think you guys are in the north. I'm in the south. I'm over in uh, Tainan. 
Oh, you're in Tainan now? Right, yes. Oh, okay. Well, next time I go there, we can meet. <laughs> That'd be amazing. If you don't mind, if, could we just go into some general questions about the market and uh, just a little bit more about uh, Mr. Zhao? Sure. <laughs> what do you think of the market these days? What do you think about the $20,000 Bitcoin to the $6,000 Bitcoin to the little bit uptick that we have the past couple of days? And what, what, do you, what do you think of the health of the market? So that's a very tough question. I'm actually not a very strong technical a- analyst or even an analyst in general. I hold a very long view. I personally think it's a bit unfair to pick the highest point of the Bitcoin price and compare it to right now. If we compare the average price for the Bitcoin over the last seven years, or one year ago, Bitcoin is $1,000. I guess it's $8,000 today mm-hmm. it shoot up to a peak and they did a little correction i mean it's a big correction in terms of traditional finance but for crypto it's kind of because the market cap is smaller it's very usual so i'm not concerned about it at all i've experienced this many many times i think if you look if you hold on to a one year uh, a six months one year three year five year view i think this drop will not be noticeable a couple years later because bitcoin's <laughs> price will be so high then so if you look at the previous graph like say before november mm-hmm. right now our price is the highest of all time and mm-hmm. you can't see the previous dips because they're compressed on the chart now because the price is so high now mm-hmm. so i've seen this many many times i'm not worried about it at all right on i usually ask people who's one person you admire in the crypto space now i have had you a couple times as answers to this question now i'm wow. wondering who you are going to say who's somebody <laughs> you admire in the crypto space wow okay i'm really honored to know that people say my name I think there's quite a lot of people who work very hard in the crypto space. There's quite a number of people just I'll just ramble on top of my head in no particular order. I think basically, for example, if you look at Vitalik, he's a very young kid, very down to earth, just does what he's supposed to do. He, Ethereum made ICOs possible, so I admire him a lot. There's a lot of other guys who work really hard in this industry. Of course, there's one person we all admire. Uh, that's Satoshi Nakamoto. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't mind meeting him someday. Uh, basically, th- uh, there are a lot of people who work very hard. And there's actually a lot of other people who are less famous that works equally hard, uh, mm-hmm. and, or they choose to be less famous. For example, the Blockchain Info founder, Ben Reeves, he now left Blockchain.info. He's a guy that I admire quite a lot. He has a long history with the Coinbase founder, Brian Armstrong. They used to share a pad, basically. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people who are not very famous, who are no longer famous or, or choose to not be famous in the industry. Those guys actually contributed quite a bit to the industry. Right on, right on. So with that question, I always ask the follow-up question, what company then do you think is going to be, have the most influence in the crypto space? Now, I know Binance is going to be very influential, and it's probably going to be hard to say another company, but maybe what sector or what aspects of the crypto space do you think is going to be the most influential in driving this forward right okay so i think right now people are focused on exchanges there are actually a couple other exchanges who are actually already very influential and they are tackling a problem that we have avoided so far which is the fiat to crypto conversion so mm. coinbase is doing that very well right. uh Bitfinex is doing that taking a slightly different approach a more international uh, approach uh, they're a company that actually got hacked twice but came back from the dead twice mm-hmm. so uh and they're 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 very strong actually and i believe there will be the wallet uh, market is a little bit segmented right now. Uh, we don't see one single wallet that's a super leader. 
So hopefully somebody will emerge there. I don't exactly know which company. So we are actually trying to invest in multiple companies in that sector. For chain development, there's quite a, now uh, that sector is very crowded because now raise, doing ICOs is very easy. Raising money, is, raising money is very easy. There's quite a lot of blockchain developments or decentralized exchanges. It's a little bit hard to see which one will rise. I think the winner there is less clear. So it's kind of hard. Most of these general questions deal with predicting the future, which I'm not good at. So <laughs> we, we all aren't. We are. Aren't. I, I, I kind of stumble, stumble a bit uh, in this type of questions. No, no. It's a very hard question. Um, and I, I'm kind of interested because you're the first person that I've asked that question to that said wallets. Well, what is it about the wallet that you think gives the push to the industry or gives you that freedom? I think right now the exchanges provide liquidity and a lot of people use exchanges as wallets, which is actually not exactly the, the crypto way. So I think eventually as the wallet software mature, people will hold more and more of the crypto in their own uh, wallets and the wallets needs to be secure. Right now, it's very difficult because the hardware wallets only support a very few selection of coins and we have hundreds of coins traded mm -hmm. and there's thousands of coins that's on coin market cap or available in the market. If you want to have a wallet that holds all of those coins, it's basically impossible and it's even harder to do it very securely. Uh, you will need to do very special things with your computer, uh, uh, manage it very, very carefully. Basically, today our computers are not secure and uh, there's no other specialized device for holding a lot of crypto. And I do believe that uh, wallets is the entry point. So I, I do believe that eventually uh, they will be very easy to use secure wallets that don't require a lot of technical knowledge. Right now, they are all still a little bit technically heavy. So that's why people actually use exchanges as wallets. No, exactly. I mean, people use exchanges as wallets because it's honestly, it's, it's stressful for the average person without a technical background to move things around knowing that they could get hacked or it gets stolen or they're private in public keys. It's it's hard. Yes. So I think today um, exchanges actually, on average, are safer than your own wallet. <laughs> so most people, a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of the tech savvy guys would not agree because those guys are early adopters into the industry. But I mm -hmm. think with the current mass of people coming into the industry, most of them are not technically savvy enough to secure their own wallet. So mm -hmm. the exchange is actually safer right now. But I think eventually we will see safer wallets. So do you think that the exchange and the wallet is going to merge? And then how much responsibility does an exchange have over the coins that are kept on the exchange? Let me kind of frame this question a little bit. If you're using your bank and your money gets stolen from the bank, it's insured. It's insured by the government. The bank has, you know, it's, it's fail safes, you know, all these things. Your money is going to be there. Do you think that the exchange is going to evolve into maybe government insured or to be able to promise that your crypto or your money is not going to get lost or broken into? And do you think it's an exchange's job? I think it's definitely the exchange's job to secure the funds and be responsible for it. And basically, if you're providing this business, you got to take responsibility. But right now, there's no insurance company that, that's able to insure this kind of size. And crypto, because given the, the way the blockchains work, basically, uh, most insurance companies haven't figured out how to calculate the risk return on this type of um, an insurance. So there's not an insurance business model yet. Uh, but I think as time progresses, we are getting more and more sophisticated in tracking down bad, bad players. So we are working with multiple law enforcement agencies around the world in tracking uh, hackers and thefts 
and stuff like that. So there is more recourse now. But I do think that as an exchange, they should take responsibility for those funds. I think that's very fundamental. But again, many other exchanges don't share this view. So for example, in the last couple of days, there is an exchange that's hacked. And well, that's an employee issue. And they're kind of dealing with it. And we're actually helping them right now. So some of the exchanges don't have the ability. Well, if the exchange don't have the money to cover for what they've lost, then there's really not a whole lot that they can do. So there is that risk. And as a, as a user, I think basically you got to be very careful in choosing the type of exchanges that you want to use. And there's also a decision you, you have to make where uh, are you able to uh, keep the coins more securely yourself? If, if you can, then uh, you probably should. Uh, most of those kind of users who are able to keep coins more securely than an exchange usually do keep their own coins. I think as the industry matures, the security of retail wallets and the security of exchanges will all improve. I think right now we have one of the most elaborated security mechanisms <laughs> that one can imagine. So I think for the time, it's okay. But that's also why we actually encourage other wallet developers, because as the security increases in the retail wallet space, it will definitely increase in the commercial wallet space. As a CEO of a, an exchange, how do you think that the Japanese exchange that got hacked for the, I think it's, what was it, $400 million back in January, and they gave back, I think it was 90% of it. How do you think that they acted in the responsibility for that hack in, that where people lost their cryptocurrency? Well, there's a couple of different things there. I think the fact that they agreed to refund or cover all the loss is a responsible act. And they came out saying that very quickly, but it just took them a, quite a while to do it. Uh, knowing the situation, I actually think the delay was not on them. The delay was there was a lot of checks from the government uh, regulatory guys. And I can understand why, why it was necessary. But there's a couple of points I would like to make is the communication frequency was too low during that period. And mm. people were worried about their, their funds. And the companies already said that they will cover the loss. And they can cover the loss because they're they are actually, most exchanges are making quite a lot of money. So uh, they should just cover the cost and be done with it. There's another point, which is uh, it was apparent from the news that they kept all of their funds in a hot wallet, which is obviously not good. Mm. So uh, they should very actively, quickly improve that architecture or that security layer. Uh, they need to make multiple layers of security. So I haven't talked to them much, to be honest, and um, I hope that's done. But the fact that they covered all the costs, uh, all the loss, I think that's a very responsible thing to do. I thought that was extraordinary. And also, I would say that Binance's reply in, in quick response to the Viacoin fiasco that happened, I think it was in March, uh, about a month ago, was quite impressive and very responsible. So I, I, I think that Crypto 101 also tweeted at you guys and said, you know, congratulations on the quick response because it was like instant. We'll take care of it. Don't worry. Right, right. We have a default position, which is protecting investors. So that's our top, the highest most mission in all of our company. And uh now, every time, there's so many instances that have happened every time the way we respond, and the team understands. So now the team can make those kind of decisions without me. And when something happens, I will try to come online, and I usually interact with people over Twitter. But even if I'm not around, the team makes those same, same type of decisions, same types of communications now. So it's getting there. It's pretty good. This is a weird question, and I, I understand if you don't want to answer it, but it's just something that popped into my head right now, and I, I just have to ask it. Sure. You've became really, really wealthy very, very quick. How are you dealing with that? <laughs> right, right. Okay. I mean, so, I mean, look, I don't know what, what kind of money you had before, but if it was me and I had a, I had a company, and next you know it was multi-billion dollars a day, and then your worth was you know, hundreds of millions or I don't, I don't, I'm just guessing, throwing numbers out here. I don't want to ask, but 
that's extremely quick to be that wealthy. How are you emotionally, psychologically dealing with that? Right, right. So, like, say before last July, I was relatively okay.、Um, I think I have barely achieved financial freedom even before Binance.、So, but、uh, if I if I live in a very modest lifestyle, so I don't really spend a lot of money on weird stuff. So I don't. I don't I'm not. I'm not luxurious. I live comfortably, but not luxurious.、Mm-hmm. And then at some point,、um, I guess last、uh, November, December-ish or January-ish, I kind of had a feeling that we were. Ma- well, I know we were making a lot of money, and I know that company is worth a lot of money, and I know I'm rich. But to be honest, it wasn't actually until the Forbes article, the front page, that I saw it. I was like, "Well,、oh, okay, I, I guess I'm really rich." <laughs> <laughs> But so I think、uh, to me the Forbes front page actually just had that effect for me, which okay I I, I realize now I'm re- actually really rich. But、um, my lifestyle <laughs> haven't changed very much. I still live in the same type of apartment.、Um, I still、uh, I don't have anything luxurious. I don't have a watch. I don't have a car. I actually don't have a house. I I rent. And、uh, because I feel that crypto will rise in value more much much more than if I buy a house. So I don't want to put my investments in a house. Well, you, you, you can put. <laughs> okay, this is from a from a normal person, an average person. First, the reason why I asked this because I did see the Forbes article and I was just like, "Wow, okay." And and I was thinking like that was really fast. And it's not even buy a house, man. You can you can buy hundreds of houses. <laughs> I could. I, well, well, yes, I could, and and you won't you won't affect the the wealth at all. But it's just a lot of hassle buying a house. I、okay. I, I just don't want, I just don't want to deal with the hassle, but. What's more important for me is actually, you know, there's always that hypothetical question of, hey, if you if you never have to worry about money again, what would you do? So, but now that question is no longer hypothetical,、mm-hmm. right? It, it is very very real. Like, I, making more money will not make me happier. I mean, it will not do anything for me. It will just be a number, right? I actually have thought about that question quite a bit, and、um, I realized that as a human being, the thing that has meaning is to help other humans. So it's to help the human species,、mm-hmm. whatever you can do. So for some guys like Elon Musk, right? I mean, he wants to make human species a interstellar species. Great. I mean, kudos to him.、Mm-hmm. I do that. I just do what I can, and what I can do is actually relatively meaningful, which is promoting the freedom of、uh, wealth. I believe by promoting crypto, which is a freer asset, freer investment vehicle, we will help a lot more people achieve financial freedom much, much more easily. And I think that's a very meaningful thing to do because、mm-hmm. more people achieve financial freedom. They will be able to do the things that they think they can help the best to humanity. So、uh, we will see a lot more innovation. We'll, we'll see the speed of improvement pick up once more and more people are able to achieve financial freedom easier. So for me, that's a very meaningful thing to do. I just want to help in that evolution a little bit at a time. I'm not against anybody. I'm not revolutionary. I'm evolutionary. So for me,、uh, achieving that financial、uh, wealth for for myself and for our team gives us that freedom, and we no longer need to use, like risk our lives to do this. We no longer need to take huge risk. We got it. We can do things very, very safely, very、mm-hmm. stably. For me, that aspect of me changed,、uh, became much more clear. Whereas once you have that kind of a goal, buying a fancy car is not that interesting. Like I, I'm, I'm not into driving. I'm not into fancy watches.、Uh, I still wear my、uh, Apple Watch too. Uh, even though it's <laughs> out,、uh, but it works just fine. So, <laughs> right on, right on. The last question is: Crypto One Hundred One is positioned in the podcasting or the crypto space to be one of the first spots that somebody getting into the space will come to, and it's very possible that this is going to be the first conversation that they listen to getting into the crypto space. What would you want them to know? What would you tell them? 
they need to understand how blockchain works. They actually don't need to understand the uh, technical details of how encryption, asymmetric, private key, public key kind of works. But they need to get the business logic around it. The fact that, okay, now we have a blockchain that can have decentralized trust or decentralized ledger that everyone can trust. From this, they need to understand the business logic of how what how this will impact all the different kind of um, trust relationships that humans have. So understanding this is fundamental. And then they need to do the homework. Just listening to these two sentences probably does not will not do it they it, for me it took a good a three to six months to for you to sink in and i come from a uh, technical and financial kind of background and mm-hmm. in, and international background so uh, i really urge everyone to do their homework and read about cryptocurrency bitcoin uh ethereum other uh, icos and there's uh, one thing i want to stress is there's there's a lot of misinformation out there so you really got to find the real information so you uh, when you read stuff, you gotta apply a, a sense of judgment on whether this is just uh, random crap or is it's actually something very valuable. Mm-hmm. So it takes quite a while to get your head around this. But I highly recommend it do it sooner than later because this is the future. And the sooner you do it, the more financially well off you will be. Any books that you would recommend for them to do this reading? I actually have not read any books myself because I'm one of the earlier adopters. In 2013, there's no books. And um, I've been sort of picking up pieces and bits by myself. So I actually don't know which books are good out there. I think there, there probably are a number of books now. But yeah. Mr. Changpeng Zhao, CEO of Binance. Thank you very much for your 50 minutes of your time. And I am honored that you agreed to do this interview with us. Thank you very much, Matthew. It's a pleasure for me. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. Mr. Zhao, if you are listening, thank you very much for coming on. It was an honor. Before we go, as always, ApogeeCrypto.com, A-P-O-G-E-E Crypto.com, the best place to check your prices, WhenMoon.co for all the news. And if you're looking for a website, our website designer, her name's June, really, really cool person. Go to her website, WPOnTheFly.com. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you in three days. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.